Welcome to the Life Church Reno podcast. Here at Life Church, we seek to love God, love others, and make a difference. From wherever you're listening, we pray that this message impacts you. Great to see you guys this morning. If you're online with us, we're grateful. Hey, today we're week three in a spiritual journey that we're calling Uncharted. We're asking God to take us all to a place that we've never been before. Our biggest goal for this initiative is that everybody that calls Life Church their church, that all of us would go on a spiritual journey with the Lord, asking him to take us to a place we've never been before in our love for him, our trust in him, and our passion and priority for his kingdom, and that the overflow of that would be that he would take us each to a, a new place of generosity, and that the overflow of that is that Life Church would be able to make a bigger difference both locally and globally than we've ever made before as we resource the ongoing needs of all the ministries that happen here seven days a week, what you might think of as our general fund, just all the things that are happening here and all the ministries from kids to students to adults to weekend services and all, all the things. And, and then also, and that's what we're calling uncharted ministry, and that we're calling uncharted mission is that we'd make a bigger difference than ever outside the walls of this campus, uh, giving away more resources to those in need in our church and in our community through benevolence giving than we've ever done before and through building five churches in India that will care for widows and orphans Monday through Friday, building a larger church in Bolivia that will house a Compassion International project for 200 kids every day will come and receive care and learn about Jesus and get access to health care and education and nutrition in a way that will transform their lives. And, and then launching the Carson City campus, which by the way, the grand opening of our Carson campus for weekly worship is December the 10th, super excited for that. And then, um, and then launching our our sparks, it's uh, either way. It's so, uh, and then launching our Sparks campus. And so, uh, Uncharted uh, Ministries, kind of like our general fund, Uncharted Mission, the difference we're going to make outside the walls of this campus. And then, Uncharted Movement is uh, what we're calling the transformation of our Reno campus, uh, paving the back parking lot so that we can uh, bring the life and love of Jesus to more people each weekend here at our Reno campus and building the Life Christian Academy school building where we will have the, and our goal is to have the best education in Reno with Christ at the center of it all. We really believe that this is our, our, our single, you're excited about it, ma'am, I love you, and, uh, I, uh, and, and that we would really be a, uh, we really believe this may be our single greatest discipleship opportunity. If you think about it, the average family with kids at Life Church uh, comes about twice a month, and so we end up having about 26 hours a year to be able to to disciple and invest in the lives of, of many of our kids and teenagers. But if you think about the school, it's in every single week we'll have 35 hours to uh, bring the best education in Rito with Christ at the center of it all. We see this as an incredible opportunity. And on the second floor of our LCA school building, we'll house our life Christian Academy offices. And so our, our number one goal, though, is that we'd all be on this spiritual journey together, that we'd all take a next step wherever we find ourselves in the journey. And, and what I find so incredibly uh, powerful about these moments of, is, is moments that, that we all take a next step in our relationship with God. And if you uh, haven't yet gotten our field guide, it's a little book 
Um, if, if people can bring you one if you haven't gotten one. It's a little book to support you on your journey. If you raise your hand, somebody will bring you one of these field guides and then uh, a couple of key uh, things. One, if today's your last day to get the, the Uncharted free T-shirt. And so if you want an Uncharted T-shirt, grab one and um, feel free to grab one after service on the patio. And then uh, in your field guide is this commitment card. We're not turning these in today, but this coming Friday uh, is our first opportunity. It's our advanced commitment night. Those of us that are ready to lead out and, and make our commitments this Friday, it's going to be an incredible night. 6.30 here at the church, child care is provided. There's going to be some great appetizers before the service. And then there'll be some great dessert after. You will want to be here for that. This is going to be one of the most special nights in the history of Life Church. You can RSVP by scanning that QR code. That way we can be sure to be ready for you. You can go ahead and scan that right now. You will want to be here for that incredible, epic night. I have an incredible heart of expectation for this Friday. And then on November the 12th, uh, um, we will have our churchwide commitment Sunday. And so I am excited for all that God has in store for us. And But one of the most powerful things about moments like these that have been powerful for Claire and I, both in this season and in the past, have been these moments cause us to really wrestle with what's most important in life. And these moments cause us to really examine what are our priorities. And so today, as we continue to look at the life of Abraham, we're going to talk about this whole idea of uncharted priorities. And so if you have your Bibles, go over to Genesis chapter 13. Today, we're going to look at this situation with Abraham where he has to make some choices. And he has to choose what's most important to him and what's foundational to him. And every leadership book that you ever read will tell you that one of the most pivotal keys to success is having the right priorities and living by those. And so we're going to talk about priorities today. Genesis 13, verse 1. So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had. And Lot went with him, his nephew. Abraham had become very wealthy in livestock and in silver and gold. From the Negev, he went from place to place until he came to Bethel, to the place where between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, and where he had first built an altar. There, Abraham called on the name of the Lord. Verse five, now Lot, who was moving about with Abraham, he was kind of tagging along, also had flocks and herds and tents, but the land could not support them. It's an important phrase. While they stayed together, for their possessions were so great that they were not able to stay together. And quarreling arose between Abram's herders and Lot's, and the Canaanites and Perizzites were also living in the land at that time. As we think about priorities, we have to first understand that priorities are required because of the limited nature of resources. The, the key phrase here says, but the land could not support them while they stayed together because their possessions were too great. So they had so much livestock and there were so many herdsmen and, and all the people that came along with all of them that there was too many, many things, too many animals, too much stuff and not enough land. The land where they were was limited. They were limited in terms of the resource of land. It was this, it was this kind of classic storage unit situation where they had more stuff than they knew what to do with. I like that storage place on Mount Rose Highway, the name of it, Get Your Garage Back. That situation where, where you have more than you know what to do with it, and so you don't have any place to put it. Your storage situation is limited. I, I kind of 
I like this little phrase I kind of came up with. It says that they were situ- in a situation where there is not enough for their too much. They, in some ways, they had too much, and in some ways, they had too little. There was this limitation of the resource of land, and it really is this realization that all of us are dealing with limited resources in terms of time. All of us are dealing with limited resources in terms of our energy and our abilities and our financial resources, that all of these resources have elements of limitation, and, and so it becomes incredibly important for us to wrestle deeply with what are my greatest priorities when it comes to how I use my time, my energy, my abilities, and my money, my financial resources. I've got to wrestle with what's most important. See, if I had endless time and endless abilities and endless money, there would be far less of a need to think deeply about how to manage them through the lens of what matters most. But the fact is, none of us have endless time. None of us have endless energy. None of us have endless money. So we have to wrestle deeply with what matters most. I love this quote by Henry Clown. All of your precious resources, time, energy, talent, passion, and money should only go to the areas of your life or your business that are best, are fixable, and are indispensable. Otherwise, average sets in and your life does not become what it was designed to be. So we've got to pick our priorities and our priorities are revealed in our choices. Let me show this to you, verse eight. They come to a situation where they don't have enough space for all the things. And and so Abram said to Lot, let's not have any quarreling between you and me or between your herders and mine for we are close relatives. It's not the whole land before you. Let's part company. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. Lot looked around and saw that the whole plain of the Jordan towards Zoar was well watered, like the garden of the Lord, like Eden, and like the land of Egypt. This was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot chose for himself the whole plain of the Jordan and set out towards the east. The two men parted company. So, so Abram says, hey, hey Lot, there's, we don't have enough space here for all of us to be in this close space. So hey, you can take that land or you can take this land. I'll take the one you don't pick. And what Abraham does here is incredibly countercultural both then and now. But especially back then, Abraham was, was the patriarch. He was the older. Lot was sort of tagging along. He was older, he was wealthier, and he was the one that had received the promise from God. Lot was just sort of tagging along. And so it would have been very normal for Abraham to say, hey, Lot, there's not room here for you. You go over there. It would have been even more, even normal for a significant conflict or a war to break out between the two families. And, but what Abraham does, completely countercultural, he comes to Lot and says, hey, you pick the one you want, and I'll take the other one. He, he, so what you see is our priorities are revealed in our choices. I love this quote by Nick Chelson, says this. He says, boundaries are what you say no to. Priorities are what you say yes to. See, what we see with Abraham and Lot, Lot prioritized prosperity. Lot said, hey, that land, it's more well-watered, it's, it's more fruitful, I can go there and I can support more animals and I can become more wealthy. Lot prioritized prosperity, Abraham prioritized God's promises. Lot prioritized self-interest, Lot was looking out for Lot. He says, if I go over there, it's gonna, life's gonna be better for me, is what he thought. Abraham prioritized loving generosity. Lot prioritized material things over spiritual things. 
We see verse 13, chapter 13, 12, Abram lived in the land of Canaan, while Lot lived among the cities of the plain and pitched his tents near Sodom. Now the people of Sodom were wicked and were sinning greatly against the Lord. So everyone knew that, that Sodom and Gomorrah, a place of incredible idol worship, it was known for its wickedness. And what, what Lot said is he said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna live over near there and because I can make more money if I live over there. He was prioritizing material things over spiritual things. And what we see is this principle is what Lot starts out living near Sodom and Gomorrah, and then by the end of the story, he's living in Sodom and Gomorrah. It's this principle of many times in life, we have a priority that gets a little bit out of whack that leads to one bad decision, and then before we know it, it's led to multiple bad decisions. And so Lot is prioritizing material things over spiritual things. And all of us have to answer this question. What do my choices that I'm currently making reveal about my priorities? What do my choices currently reveal about my priorities? It's, it's not original, not the first time you've heard this, but it's still true. When we look at our calendars and our bank statements, there is no doubt what our true priorities really are. This is true for us as a church in regards to our priorities and choices, and that, that as a church, we, we can't do everything with the same level of intentionality and the same level of focus. We really have three things that we really wanna be all about. We wanna be all about unleashing compassion on the least of these, those that are marginalized and those that are hurting, and that's why we're excited in this Uncharted initiative to be able to unleash more financial resources locally and in our church to those that are in need. That's why we're so passionate here about foster care and orphan care is because we really believe that this is the heart of God. That's why we're excited to, to build the Compassion International Center where 200 kids that right now don't necessarily have a solid access to education, nutrition, or, or, or health care that we know that they're going to have that. And it's, it's our passion for this because we believe it's God's heart. And so we're committed to doing everything we can to unleash compassion on the least of these. And, and we're committed to doing everything we can to, to reach the next generation or what we sometimes call the little. And that, that's why at Life Church, if we're gonna do one thing well, we're gonna do everything we possibly can to reach the next generation. We fundamentally believe that whoever wins the kids is the winner. And so that's why we're going all in on Life Christian Academy because we believe it's an opportunity to transform a generation to see hundreds and hundreds of kids grow Grow up with the finest education in Reno, with Jesus at the center of every bit of it that we believe is gonna be transformative for them, their families, and ultimately our region. And, and so we, we're committed to doing everything we can for the next generation, and we're committed to doing anything short of sin to reach people that are far from God, or what we might call the lost. Last week, we saw 30 people go public with the difference that, that Jesus had made in their life and get baptized. And for us, that's what it's all about. And that, that's why we do everything we do. And for us, that's why we, we're committed to having a, a strong expression of life, church, within a 15-minute drive of 85% of the people in our region because we know that statistically the vast majority of them would say that they are not a follower of Jesus and we're committed to doing anything short of sin to, to bring the life and the love of Jesus to them. And so these are priorities that guide our choices. These are priorities that have guided our choices as we go into this next two years, as we look forward to everything that God is gonna do here the next two years. Those three things are behind it all. And so whether it's really for all all of us as individuals, our priorities lead and are revealed by our choices. Here's the third truth. My priorities are rooted in my identity. See, Abraham's priorities 
in regards to his resources were rooted in his identity based on God's promise. Abraham made the choices he did because of how he viewed himself in light of what God had told him. It was his identity. Let me show this to you. Over and over again, God keeps reconfirming this promise. And so what happens is Abraham lets Lot pick the, the, what appeared to be the better land. Now God comes and reconfirms the promise, verse 14. The Lord said to Abram after Lot had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south and the east and the west, all the land that you'll see I'll give to you. Abram, I know you just gave away what looked like the better land, but I want you to know that, that, that you can trust me. I'm gonna give you all the land you could see all, all the different directions. I'll make your offspring like the dust of the earth so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. Go walk through the length and breadth of the land for I'm giving it to you. I really believe our priorities and ultimately our choices are rooted in our identity. How do we see ourselves? Do you see yourself as blessed or impoverished? I've known people that had a great amount of material resources, but their identity was, was one of, of being impoverished or a scarcity mindset. And then I've known people that had very limited financial resources, but their identity was one of, of blessing and abundance. I, I, uh, I don't know if your kids ever ask you this, but sometimes our little guys, Michael's five, Teddy's eight, they'll ask me, they'll say, Dad, how much money do you have? And I'm like, you guys don't understand money and y'all talk too much. I'm not telling you how much money I've got. And... And it causes me to remind, remember when I was growing up and I said to my dad one day, I said, Dad, are we rich? And he said, oh, yes, son, we're very rich. And I was like, oh, that's what I was hoping to hear. And uh, he said, we're very rich. It's just that most of it is not financial. But we are blessed and rich beyond measure. It's really this identity. So Abraham was able to be incredibly generous with his nephew Lot because of this identity based in what God had spoken to him about who he was, that he was blessed. The next question is, is am, I an, am I a steward or an owner? Do I, do I look at myself as, as someone that's been entrusted as a manager or a steward to, to well manage the things that God has entrusted to me, or do I look at myself as an owner that these things our minds. See, the thing is, God had told Abraham that he would be blessed to be a blessing. God had told Abraham that the whole world was going to be blessed through him. And so when he was blessed, it, it, it just made sense for him to seek to bless others, including his nephew Lot, with the ways in which he'd been blessed. And so my identity, is it as steward or is it as owner? My identity, is it as heir or is it as orphan? See, the thing is, Abraham had received these promises from God. He was gonna be these, he was gonna receive all of these things from God. He was an heir to all of these things, which then fueled his identity, which then fueled his priorities, which then fueled his choices. And so am I an heir or an orphan? Galatians 4, 7 says, you're no longer a slave, but God's child. And since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. See, when my identity is, an, is, is being an heir, I never feel like I have to hold things tightly. 
So when the Bible says you're joint heirs with Christ, when the Bible says all things belong to God and all things belong to you, when you realize that you've got a very, 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 very rich father and that everything that belongs to him belongs to you and he's promised that everything that belongs to him ultimately will be yours. I don't have to go through life hoarding. I go through life as an heir. But when I go through life as an orphan as if I don't have a father who loves me and has all the resources that I need, I go through life having to grip on because I don't know where my next meal's gonna come from because I'm an orphan. But when I realize I'm an heir, a father who loves me, who's promised to take care of me, I can go through life holding things loosely. See, my priorities will be rooted in my identity. Here's the last point, and it's the longest point of the message. I feel like it's a dirty preacher trick when the last point's the longest. Because when I'm listening to a sermon, look at that last point, I'm like, I got about eight minutes. And because of the ADHD, just kicks in hard. Anyone connect to that? Is that just... And so, this is the longest point, just want you to know. Ranking priorities is fine, but recognizing the top priority is what life's all about. Great book called Essentialism by Greg McCown. Let me read you this quote. The word priority came into the English language in the 1400s. It was singular. It meant the very first or prior thing. It stayed singular for the next 500 years. Only in the 1900s did we pluralize the term and start talking about priorities. And logically, we reasoned that by changing the word, we could bend reality. And somehow we would now be able to have multiple first things. See, it's ranking priorities, it's fine, but recognizing the top priority, the real true priority in our life is really what life's all about. And for Abraham, we see that his priority was God. Let me show this to you. This chapter begins and ends the same way. Chapter 13, verse three, he says, he went from a place until he came to Bethel to the place between Bethel and Ai, where his tent had been earlier, where he had first built an altar for the purpose of worship. He says, there Abraham called on the name of the Lord. So the chapter begins, and Abraham is worshiping God, and then the chapter ends, and so we have this moment, there's the conflict, Abraham and Lot. Abraham says, Lot, you pick whichever you want. God comes, he reconfirms the promise, and then it wraps up the chapter, verse 18. So Abram went to live near the great trees of Mamre at Hebron, where he pitched his tents. There he built an altar to the Lord. The chapter begins and the chapter ends with worship. We see this with the, through the life of Abraham. And, and I want you to get this. When, when we invest in what God's doing here on earth to extend his kingdom, when we invest in, in, in the work of God, I really believe two things happen. One is we worship, and two is we declare our priority. And that's what Abraham's doing, is that his ultimate priority is God, and, and, and let me show you this principle. Let me show this to you. Hebrews chapter three, verse nine, this idea of, of, of giving in relationship to our priorities. Hebrews, I mean, Proverbs 3, nine says this. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns, it's this principle of first fruits I wanna unpack with you. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Now, most of us aren't farmers. We don't deal, deal primarily in agriculture. So when you read first fruits, I, I, I think for us, we might say first and best or not the leftovers. Here's the, the thing is this. First and best giving is a statement of priority. All the way back to the, to the beginning of the Bible. We see in Genesis chapter four, 
verse two. We see the importance of first and best giving all the way back to Genesis four. So, so Eve gives birth to his brother Abel. So now we have Cain and Abel. Now Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. And the course of time literally means the end of days. After, it, it seems to be speaking about the harvest. Once the full harvest had come in. At the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering. Fat portions, other, other uh, translations say choice cuts of meat. Uh, imagine a filet mignon. It also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry and his face was downcast. So here's what we see. We don't know a lot of things about this situation. We don't know the amount that Cain gave versus the amount that Abel gave. We're not told that. The only, things that we, only difference we see between their giving was one, their industry, one was a farmer, one was more of a rancher. But that's really irrelevant because we know that God celebrated even the creation mandate, talking about cultivating the land. It's clearly not about the industry. We see later in the, in the Old Testament, it became very normative, and God was pleased with the idea of people giving grain offerings from the harvest. It's not about one was plants, one was an animal. It, the only difference we see that, that, that is obvious is that one, Abel, gave the first fruits and gave the best. It was, it was the firstborn, and it was, it was the fatty portion, the good portion, the prime pieces of meat, and, and that Cain gave some, and it appears that he gave it at the end of receiving the full harvest. See, we see this imagery, firstborn, first fruits, is a principle we see through the whole Bible. And Israel was referred to as both the firstborn and the first fruits. Jesus was referred to as both the firstborn and the first fruits. The church is all we are also referred to as the firstborn and also the first fruits. It's this principle we see. And so it's this idea of one was at the first and one was at the end. One was the best and the other was some. It's this first and best principle. And first and best giving is, is more is less about timing and more about the order of priority. See, here's the thing: the first drives other things. First and best giving is giving that drives other choices. See, for most of us, our giving, our, our, our kingdom investment, our generosity, for most of us, our giving does not drive our other financial commitments. More often, we do the opposite. Our giving is not a driver of our other financial commitments. Our giving is a, usually a product of our other financial commitments. Our other financial choices drive our giving. So we commit to this, we commit to this, we commit to this. And then we say, what do we have left that we can be generous with? And, and we all have these commitments. And then many times it causes us to determine our generosity on the back end. But what first and best giving does is it says, I, I am going to make this the priority that then builds the other things in my life around that. It's the principle that we've all seen with that illustration of the jar and the rocks and the pebbles and the sand, right? You take the jar and if you put the sand in first, which represent the smallest things in our life, and the pebbles in next, which represent the, the middle things in our life, then there's no room for the rocks. But if you put the rocks in first, the big things, 
that represent the most important things in our life, and then you put the pebbles, the medium-sized things, and then you put the sand, the small things in on the back end, everything fits. And so what first and best giving is, is it's saying that I want my kingdom investment, my generosity, to be the first big rock that I put in the jar, that, that is my management of all of my finances, and, and it's going to be the first. It's going to be the priority that other things build around that. It's really what Jesus is saying here in Matthew 6, 31. Jesus is, is in this whole passage here where he says, hey, don't chase after stuff that doesn't last, but instead chase after treasure in heaven, things that last forever. And then he's talking about worry and all of the things that, that we worry about. Jesus is talking about this here, verse 631. He says, don't worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What's the root of that fear? It's financial. What shall we drink? What's the root of that? Financial. What shall we wear? What's the root of that? Financial. He says, for the pagans run after all these things. He says, people that don't know me make that their first priority. The thing they're chasing after, they're running after those things. They make that what life's all about. They make that their first thing. He says, they run after all these things and your heavenly father knows you need them. But then here's the principle. Seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these other things will be given to you as well. So the question is, what's my first thing? What's my priority? What am I seeking first? Is it status? Is it comfort? Is it security? Here's the thing. What you give your first and best to reveals what's most important in your life. And when you give your first and best to your priority, it, re it shows what, what you treasure the most. If the first and best of your paycheck goes to improving your lifestyle, that shows what, that, that what you believe is most important in your life is comfort or status. And, and it also shows what you trust the most. If the thing you first do with your paycheck is your first thing, first and best is to save, and you're saying money is that thing that I trust in. See, Abel could give God the first of his flock. See, the thing is when you give the firstborn, Abel didn't know what was gonna happen with, with, the other, with the other animals that were born. He didn't know if they were gonna die in childbirth. He didn't know if they were gonna get a disease or be stolen. He gave the first, not knowing what the future held. There's this sense in which this Friday and then uh, as with the advance commitment night and then November 12th on Commitment Sunday, what we're saying is over the next two years, we are gonna give our first and best as an act of trust, not knowing what the future holds. We don't know who the president's gonna be. I still haven't heard a good idea of any ideas. We don't know what the Fed's gonna do. We, we don't know what's gonna happen in the Middle East. Just like Abel didn't know what was gonna happen with the secondborn, the thirdborn, the fourthborn, the other animals to come, he said, I'm giving first as an act of trust. I'm saying, when, whatever we give our first to reveals what we treasure the most and what we trust the most. He could give the first of his flock because he trusted God to provide more animals, even though he had no way to know what the future held. And Abraham could be generous with the land because he trusted God was going to provide him with the land. See, for many of us, the reason that we're not as generous as we wish we were is less because we're stingy and more because we're fearful. And I really do believe that moments like this where we take significant next steps and say, God, I wanna go to a new place of faith and I wanna go to a new place of generosity. It causes us to get out of our comfort zone and what happens is many times we can be set free from living in fear. 
because God has so much more for us than to go through life fearful. God wants us to give in a way that shows he's our first priority. So what we see with this story is the end of this story is that God multiplies Abraham beyond his wildest dreams. Abraham's story illustrates what some people have called kingdom economics. And it's the thing that's really hard for us to get. But it's this, whatever you prioritize before God, you'll end up losing. But whatever you give to God, the first and the best of, he multiplies for eternal significance. I love how C.S. Lewis said it. He says, put first things first, and we get second things thrown in. Put second things first, and we lose both the first and second things. That's what Jesus is saying. He's saying, seek first the kingdom of God. And then all these other things that are secondary things, that people that don't know God make their first thing. They chase after these things. What are we gonna wear? What are we gonna eat? What are we gonna drink? It's all financial. He says, other people are chasing after this, making that their first thing. He says, but if you'll make your first thing, seeking me first in every area of your life, making me the priority for your time, making me the priority for your energy and your abilities, making me the priority with your finances, seek first the kingdom, and then all the other second things will be thrown in. He says, and all these other things will be added unto you. We see this play out in the life a lot. Lot chose money and comfort and security first, and he, in the end, he lost his fortune and his family. But when you give God, when you put, make God the first thing, he multiplies you like Abraham. God increased what Abraham had, and he blessed the world in the process. And, and so Claire and I find that moments like these are great for us to wrestle with, with our, our choices, with our time, with our energy, and with our financial resources. Are they reflecting our priority as God as the first thing? And, and really, this, these moments when, when, when we will make these commitments or where we will we'll, we'll bring these, these cards are simply an, a, a tool as a declaration of priority. It's an opportunity for all of us to wrestle with what matters most. Let's pray together. So Father, we do just thank you for this opportunity. Lord, I pray that, that, that you, by your spirit, would guide us to wrestle with the most important things in life and wrestle with our, our choices and our priorities reflecting that you or our number one. So God, would you speak to us as we seek you? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us what it looks like to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in every area of our life, with our time, with our energy, with our abilities, and with our material resources? And Lord, I just wanna pray for, that for those who might be fearful. And maybe that's you, maybe you just... You want to be more generous, but you're just fearful. You have a hard time trusting, and maybe just confess that to the Lord. Lord, I pray for these that, that, that recognize that it's, it's a fear, it's a trust, it's a faith thing. And Lord, I pray that you would set people free from fear. Lord, that you would set people free. And Lord, that, that we wouldn't have a spirit of fear or trepidation, but that your Holy Spirit would bring power and love and a sound mind to us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for listening to the Life Church Reno podcast. 
Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this. And you can also find more information at lifechurchreno.com. Blessings to you.